All right, y'all ready for the word today? All right, Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through to 26. Um, so the way this is going to go is just kind of a heads up. I have three points. I got through one today. Um, so we're going to do one point today and the intro, and then over the next few weeks, as we work into a new series in the second week of August called This Side of Heaven, I'm going to put some of these points in here, and we're going to have a fluid conversation. Does that work? Let's try that again. Does that work? We have a fluid conversation that's kind of ongoing and moving with some of these points. So I want to encourage you, have a notebook, have your phone out, have your iPad out, your feather quill and papyrus, whatever you need. Um, in order to write things down and, and keep this locked in because this is going to be an ongoing conversation. Galatians chapter 5, 13 through 26. Paul the Apostle writing, he says this. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Wouldn't we love it if the Bible put a period where they put a comma? Right? For you were called to be free. Yes. But then Paul always qualifies everything. And then he says, but don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we all like the sound of that, but can we just be honest, like a moment of therapy in church today? We don't really like our neighbors. Come on, like we don't really, we don't, none of us really woke up today and said, how do I serve my neighbor before I go to church? Right? And so, and some of you probably don't even like the person you're sitting next to right now, but that's another conversation. So he says, serve one another through love for the whole law. It's fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. So now he sets up this, what I wanna call boundary for us, this boundary line. He says, I say, walk by the spirit and you certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you do not do what you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. They could have just said 2021. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before. And those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, so that gives us another angle. This is the good stuff right here. Fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And the law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying another one another. Today, I want to speak to you from this subject, stay in the box. Stay in the box. As we look at what the Bible says about healthy boundaries for life and for faith, will you pray with me just one more time today? Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and it's active, it's powerful. It has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so, God, right now, we know that your word brings freedom. And so I pray for every single one of us in here, no matter where we're coming from and no matter what we've experienced in life, even up to walking through these doors, I pray that your word would bring freedom to our lives. And so we love you, we honor you, we praise you. And God, I ask right now that your word would fall upon soft hearts and open minds. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted. 
Come on, everybody shouted. Um, one of my greatest pet peeves, and in effect, I almost called the message this, is close talkers. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, how many of you have had a close talker in your life before? Let's show of hands, therapy session, just get it all out right now, okay. Um, I struggle with close talkers. I've had close talkers. I don't think it's a, a thing that just God implements in my life so that I can work through things, um, right? Patience being one of those. But close talkers, you know, they're the people that have to like get right up in your space to talk. Can we just be honest in church today? The entire time that you are talking with them, you're like, I can hear you. You can back up. <laughs> right? No one in here does that, okay? That was first service, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. And here's the reason why I struggle with close talkers. It's because I have personal boundaries. Anybody else? Show of hands. How many of you have personal boundaries? How many of you would agree that your boundaries were probably burst this morning when you walked into church? Someone tried to hug you. Someone tried to shake your hand. You're like, bro, I just want to be in the back. Don't talk to me, right? We all have boundaries, and we, we like our boundaries because our boundaries are trying to keep people out of this personal space that we're in. I struggle on airplanes. Does anybody else struggle on airplanes? Why? Because you have no personal space. And people feel that it's their personal space that's next to you to either sleep or get their knees next to you. That one, ooh. I was actually really glad when we instituted the no one sitting in the middle seat rule. That was a fantastic thing that came out of 2020 for me. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm good with this. Like, I'm fine. Because I don't need Joe's knees on my knees, all right? So we, we have personal boundaries, and, and we, we appreciate our personal boundaries. Here's what I found interesting, though. Where we have personal boundaries for people entering our space, we're still people who like to break boundaries. You ever notice that? And right here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26, Paul is giving us this, this scope of what it means and what it looks like to live a life of boundaries. He calls it flesh and spirit. The problem is that most of us, if not all of us, and I'll make that broad of a brush, we struggle in some sort of way with boundaries. The reason? Here it is. Because we tend to see boundaries as limiting rather than liberating, restrictive rather than redemptive, and painful rather than protective. We'll say that one more time. We have a tendency to see boundaries as limiting rather than liberating, restrictive rather than redemptive, painful rather than protective. And the human condition as it is has always pushed against boundaries in general. In the name of freedom, we push and we, we pull, we bend and we break in order to obtain what it is that we desire the most. And most of the time, what we desire the most is not the most beneficial. How many of you agree with me on that? We have a tendency to desire these things and, and we'll, push, we'll push things and we'll pull things and we'll break things sometimes in order to receive what it is that we most want. And then when we get it, we realize that wasn't the most beneficial. To be fair though, okay, I have to say this. To be fair, there have been many accomplishments that have been achieved because of pushing the boundaries. Space exploration, technology that, that keeps hearts beating and blood regulated, the ability to stay connected across the world, although we could probably argue now that it was not the most beneficial. Where boundaries have been pushed, there have been some great things accomplished. But I'm not talking about feats of human strength or the exploration of space today. How many of you love the Olympics? Right now the Olympics are going on. Right? This, like, I'm not a basketball fan or a huge football fan. Like, I like them, but like my sports, I love the summer Olympics, especially swimming. 
But now, after had doing, uh, doing CrossFit for a while, I love watching Olympic weightlifting as well because you will see a 175, five foot eight pound man hoist 400 pounds over his head. Come on, somebody, that's a feat of strength that you're not supposed to be able to do, okay? And, and I'm, but I'm not talking about those type of boundaries today. I'm, I'm talking about different boundaries. I have found that most of the boundaries that we break are the ones that tend to have been created to keep us healthy and aligned with God. Not many of us today broke, like woke up to break the speed barrier boundary. But we might break a few other boundaries. Now, as with previous messages like this, I'm aware that there are those of us in the room today that will be listening to this message through the lens of skepticism, doubt, or general unbelief today. And I get that. And I'm okay with it. But for the next few minutes today, I'm going to be speaking with the assumption that you are sitting in here today with an open mind and an open heart, willing to hear about what the love of God has for you, and that it's experienced through boundaries. Can we all get down with that, with that idea today, all right? And I believe that this section of scripture teaches us some really important truths when it comes to the employment of boundaries in our lives. And that's what I wanna spend the remainder of our time today focusing on. So before I get for, to this first point, I wanna make another qualifier. These are not gonna be super practical points, okay? I'm giving you more or less the why behind my boundaries, what they do, like behind boundaries, what they do. And then over the course of time, hopefully as we commit to an ongoing relationship with Jesus, these points that I'm gonna make over the next few weeks, but the point today is going to then be highlighted in, in more practical ways through the counsel of God's word. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for instance, I'll give you for instance, um, we have really strict movie guidelines in my home. So before we watch any movie, I go to a, an app on my phone, it's called IMDB, and I pay attention to everything that is in the movie, and, and it tells you all the things that are in the movie. Why? Because I have created very strict boundaries as to what it is that we watch in our home and what it is that I personally watch because there's certain things that I don't want in my mind. Come on, somebody. Right? But I didn't just wake up one day and decide to do that. It was these kind of, it was these points that we're going to be working through that helped me put that into my heart saying, wait a second, God's got a better for me. Okay? Now this message is an extension of one that I did a couple weeks back in the Active Fool series. So I would, I would encourage you to go back, check out that series if, if you haven't gotten in, uh, into it. So here's the first point that I, that I want to give you today. Come on, everybody help me out. Every shot number one. Here's the first truth we need to understand about boundaries is that boundaries are the difference between a life lived for self or a life lived for service. Boundaries are the difference between a life lived for self or a life lived for service. Galatians chapter 5, 13 through to 15 says this, for you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. So we all know it applies to all of us. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity from the flesh, but serve one another through Love, boundaries are now created. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. Paul makes a very pointed distinction that our lives as Christians are no longer our lives. It doesn't belong to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it doesn't belong to you. Turn back to your other neighbor and say, it doesn't belong to you either. When we say yes to Jesus, come on. come on church, when we say yes to Jesus, we are no longer ours. 
The interesting thing is, is that we have a tendency to want from Jesus what we want from Jesus, but not to give him what Jesus wants. You say, please, 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 and he's like, yeah, absolutely, 100%, but here's what I want from you, and you're like, ah. <laughs> That was not part of the deal, right? And that's why we're actually working through these things, because I'm kind of tired of bait and switch. Like, I just want to, I want to paint the picture. I just need us to understand that coming to Jesus, while we don't earn our salvation, he's got some stuff that he wants from you, mainly your heart. You are saved by grace. It is a gift from God. You cannot do it. You cannot earn it. We say it around here all the time. You cannot pick it up at Walmart and you will not get it in bulk at Costco. Right? But I gotta tell you, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, he wants some stuff from you. Why? Because he's got a box for you that is actually good for you. How many of you would agree with me that we have a tendency to try to get out of the box? Isn't that like, it's a... It's a thought process of our modern world. You gotta live outside the lines. Live outside the box, man. I'm a peacock, I gotta fly. <laughs> My 10-year-old daughter is a little bit of an artist and uh, we're encouraging it, I, I-, I love it. And so she's drawing and she's colored really well. But how many of you know, how many of you know, if my 10-year-old daughter came to me tomorrow with a coloring book and some stuff that she colored. And she said, hey, look, Dad. And she was outside the lines and all over the place. How many of you know that I won't be applauding that? Right? Like there's, something in, like, there's something in this that says, no, no, wait a second. You know that when you color within the lines, it's gonna create the picture that it was designed to be. When you color outside of the lines, while I can applaud you all I want for doing a beautiful piece of artwork that we call on guard, that's not what she was going at, right? I mean, if you've seen one of those dresses, you're like, what are they wearing that is so weird? <laughs> when she colors outside of the lines, she is not producing the picture that it was designed to be. And I just need us to understand that God works with this in the same way. And while he loves us, while we're jumping outside of the lines and doing everything, he's got some lines for us to live in. He's got a box that he actually wants us to stay in. And when we do, you become the beautiful picture that he's designed you to be. It's like four people clapping right now. Because <laughs> I don't know if you understand the beauty in this or if we have assimilated the world's idea to be the peacock that flies. And that's what we're doing right now. So we applaud coloring outside of the lines and then we call it love. That's not love. I'll prove it to you in the Bible in just a second. But that's not love. In Jay Brown's commentary on Galatians, he gives us a not too extreme analogy as he writes this. Listen to this. The madman who has mistaken his tattered garments for the flowing robes of majesty and his manacles for golden bracelets studded with jewels has not erred so widely as the man who has mistaken carnal license for Christian liberty. As C.K. Barrett has rightly observed, the opposite of flesh is love. Love that looks away from itself and its wishes, even its real needs to the neighbor and spends its resources on his needs. Christian freedom is freedom to love and therefore freedom to serve. But here it is, the propensity in Christian freedom 
tends to draft us towards grace-based anarchy. I call it grease, not grace. Put some butter on it. Which is actually a gross mishandling of grace. When we use grace to create a license to do what we want, when we want, and how we want with the idea that we're forgiven. I know I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on touchy territory here. I understand that. But remember, my job is not to parrot the world in speech and conduct. My job, last time I checked, as your pastor, come on somebody, is to give you the full counsel of God's word. And so I do not stand on opinions today, and I do not stand on ideas today, and I do not stand on ideologies today. I stand on this hope, the hope that is in the word of Jesus. And when this thing is applied to our lives, oh, come on, somebody. When this thing is applied to our hearts and our minds and our lifestyles, it changes everything. So I I, I want you to know, I love you as your pastor. And one of the ways that I love you is with hard truths. Okay? So, we're not talking about, once again, earning salvation. It's not about good works. I I look at it this way. There's this Bible word called sanctification. Sanctification is the, write this down if you're taking notes. It is the daily process of flesh removal. If you just need a really strongly worded definition, sanctification is the daily process of flesh removal. Let's illustrate it a different way. How many of you, show of hands, how many of you own a piece of silver? Okay, some of us. If, you, if you've owned a piece of silver, after time, there's moments where that silver will become tarnished, right? And how many of you know the removing of tarnish takes some elbow grease? It takes some work. It's not just like a one and done moment, right? It takes time, it takes work, it takes effort. And I just need us to understand that sanctification is that process in our life. Sanctification is the daily removing of tarnish from Mitch's life. He's got a lot of tarnish. (laughs) That's what it is. So as we walk hand in hand with God's word, and all of a sudden we read it one day and we bump into what I call mirror moments, and you go, oh. It's not showing, it's showing you, you. And the reason it's doing that is that you got some tarnish on your face. You got some tarnish on your heart. You got some tarnish in your soul. I don't know exactly, but I'll go right here. <laughs> That's sanctification. So when we kick against it in the name of love and freedom, we're actually not operating within his spirit. Yeah, we're operating from a different place, what the Bible calls flesh. These boundaries, ever shout boundaries? boundaries? Keep us within, here it is. It keeps us within, if you need a definition from boundary, for boundaries, it's this. Boundaries are the confines of love. The problem is, is that many times we look at God's word as the confines of barbed wire. I look at boundaries as the confines of love. This is how we should look at Boundaries, And when we live within that space, it actually drives us to serve others rather than to serve ourselves. 
That's why we talk about being on team around here or, or engaging in certain ways or going on missions trips. Why? Because we're trying to employ this, this understanding that when I live within the bounds of God's goodness in my life, it actually lifts my head up not to focus on me, but to focus on others. Come on, are, are you with me today? Come on, we shout, get out of the box. That's actually not what I want you to say. Stay in the box. You've got to stay in the box. We've spent a lot of time trying to get out of the box. This message today is to help us understand that we need to stay in the box. Service keeps our eyes off of ourselves, all right? And the truth is, is this doesn't happen without this next truth. We can't love others if we have not first been loved. You know what's interesting to me is that we will try to love others the way we love ourselves, but the way we love ourselves is broken at best. So we live boundless lives, and then we create what I call permissive love. Permissive love is the type of love that says, I'm loving you best when I say, yeah, live your best life. (laughs) But how many of you know, then you sit back and you actually realize when we go live our best life, we're actually living our worst life. And so it's, it, it's boundless love, which isn't, which isn't love, it's, it's permissive love, because God employs, here's what we need to hear, God employs boundaries to show you how much he loves you. No one said amen on that part, let's try it again. God employs boundaries to show you how much he loves you. Now I'll prove it to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses three through 13. Y'all ready for a lengthy piece of scripture? Okay. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 13, against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up, meaning stuff's going to happen to you in life. In struggling against sin, listen to this summation about Jesus. In struggling against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Think about that. Jesus resisted to the point of shedding his blood on the cross. He went to the cross perfect. Never before did he break or bend to the woes of the world or the, or the accusations. He didn't break and bend to the invitations. He didn't even break and bend when the enemy himself stood before him and tried to get him to use his power to do different things. None of us have lived to that place. We all ate the Oreo at one point or another, right? We all have been hounded by our friends. Come, come, and you're like, no, 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 I'm good. They're like, it's just one moment. You're like, no, I'm good. I'm living for Jesus. I'm living for Jesus. And they're like, you're like, fine, one time. We, we broke. Come on, am I talking to anybody today? Right? We've been tempted and we've had these things. And, and this isn't a, a conversation of judgment. This is a conversation of reality. And the Bible says that Jesus never broke, but yet he was broken for you. Verse 5, and you have forgiven Or you have forgotten the exhortation. Now, here it is right here. This is what I want us to hear. That addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. This is not a sticker you will see on the back of someone's car. Right? This is not a Caleb moment in verse 7 when he says this, endure suffering as discipline. Right? That you won't see it on a mug. You won't give that at Christmas to somebody. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Endure suffering is discipline. 
But he says, endure suffering as discipline. Here it is. God is dealing with you as sons. Here's what I need us to understand, that there is a relational dynamic that is happening in this scripture. He's saying that discipline proves your sonship and daughtership. Discipline proofs your relationship. And he'll go on to say it. Watch what he says. Okay? For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which I'll receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Like I said, this is a hard piece of scripture. But we gotta work through it. Furthermore, verse nine We had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at a time. Thank you. Right? But painful. This is how we know that the Bible actually shares our sediment at times, right? Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and your weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet. And then then there's this like throwaway at the end of the sentence that is so important for us to understand. He says, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but healed instead. So what the writer of Hebrews is exhorting us with is that the boundaries is not just a spanking. That's not what boundaries actually are. Boundaries are the place and the space of his love because he understands the design that he has for you. As well, boundaries are the discipline necessary to heal what has been dislocated in our life. Okay, so let me double down on this. In like a minute and 40 seconds. Can I go raw for a second? Can we just go real? I want to point at some things. Some of us are broken in certain places that cause us to seek out illicit relationships. So we'll date 55 people. Right? We'll try to pursue this thing because what's happening is we're living outside of God's boundaries for us, hoping that outside of those boundaries, I'm going to find someone or something that's going to heal this broken space. But what the Bible's teaching us is actually when I get inside the boundaries of his love, and he says, oh, no, 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 daughter. Oh, no, 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 son. I want you to stay in this space because it's in this space, while you may not like it and your flesh wants to flee outside of the boundaries, I need you to know that my power and my grace and my love is going to heal what is broken in you. You don't need to live outside of the boundaries to get what you need. I got a box for you, and it's a box called love. God's love is not permissive in a way that will give us what we want. That's anarchy. That's grease. It's greasy. And here's the truth for every single one of us in here today. When we create boundaries with our time, our finances, our bodies, our emotions, our morals, our ethics, We are creating the space to actually love others well and in turn, love ourselves well. 
I'll illustrate it this way. I was talking to my son on the way into church this morning because he, he's coming with me to church now, not because he wants to be with his dad, but because he wants to be with his friends. Um, let's be very honest about that. Dad, can I go to church? You want to be with me? Yes. So I'm trying to capitalize on this moment in the car. And he's like, Dad, can we listen to music? And I'm trying to think about these things because I want to like, love my son well and father him well. So we're in the car. He's like, Dad, can we listen to music? Because I introduced him to Oasis, and it's changed his life, as it would anybody, okay? So, Dad, can we listen to music? I was like, no, we're going to talk. And he rolls his eyes. Can we listen to worship? And I was like, don't do that. <laughs> Sneaker. <laughs> so they're getting ready to go to a Bible camp, and I said, okay, you know the rules, right? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You've said them a million and one times. So we're going to go over them again. What's the rules? He's like, no doors closed. And I was like, you can't, you can't accomplish that at camp. Other rules. That's our house rules. He says, I, I don't know. And I said, okay, well, let's talk about technology. I said, you are not allowed to get on anyone else's phone, anyone else's whatever piece of technology they have there. I don't care if it's a switch. I don't care if it's a 56-inch plasma with a PlayStation. You're not allowed to get on because that, those are our rules. He said, why, Dad? We've had this conversation many, many times. He said, why, Dad? I said, because I don't know what's on their phone. I don't know what's on their iPad. I don't know what's on their PlayStation or their thing, their switch or whatever handheld device that they had. I said, I don't know what's on their phone. And he said, but you let me get on your phone all the time. And I said, that's because I know what's on my phone. And your mom knows what's on my phone. So I'm not afraid of you being on my phone because I've set up boundaries in my life. I want you to see this. My boundaries have enabled me to love my son well. Could you imagine if the conversation went like this this morning? Son, I hope you get on everybody's phone. Hop on Google, type in whatever you want. Live your best life. Can we be real in church today? Now, I know that some of us in the room or, or the world right now could be like, well, that's really prudish and, and that's, re that's really tight. And you know, aren't you verging on legalism? No, I'm not verging. No, not at all. it's not legalism. It's called sonship. It's called living a pure life. It's called realizing that there are actually things in the world that are affecting us. That there is a real enemy that the Bible tells us is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. Why would I not want to live in this space? Come on, how many of you are thankful that there are lines on the freeway? Why? Because you know at the end of it, if we were to remove the lines from the freeway, it's going to be a hot mess, especially in Utah. We need lines. We need guardrails. We need these boundaries. And I just need us to understand that I know that there's conflict in us. And I know, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And we're going to engage those questions over the, over the course of this conversation. But I'm just here to declare today. I just need us to understand today at first swing that the love of God is a love like no other. It creates boundaries for you and I that when we live with inside of them, we actually become the masterpiece that God has designed us to be. Oh, if we could get a hold of this, man. And the church would change, the world would change, 
you would change. I actually don't want to be a peacock and fly. I want to be the workmanship that God's created me to be. When I live in that space, And so I hope today, underneath the counsel of this message today, I want to encourage you to go back. Read it for yourself. It's there. You'll find it. This is not my opinion. It's just his word. And I pray that in doing so, that you would find everything that you're looking for within the heart of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said. I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we get ready to close out the day today. Come on, everybody, turn to your neighbor while you're standing on your feet. Say, stay in the box. Come on, turn, turn back to your other neighbor and say, mind your business. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes in this moment. You know, somebody after the first service said, is it always this strong around here? I said, yes, it is. Because I don't know about you, but what the past couple years has proved to me is that we need some strength. And I've just come to find that when I build my life on the counsel of this word, I am building on rock, not sand. And maybe today with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around in this moment, maybe today you'd say, Jason, I have not heard about Jesus like that. I've not heard about him in a way that in his boundaries of love actually bring life and hope and health and healing. And friend, I just wanna let you know today that in Jesus you will actually find everything that you need. It may not be everything that you thought you were looking for, but oh, it'll be everything you need. He's a good God. He's powerful. And those broken areas that you know are there, that no one else knows about, he's able, well able, to heal them. But more than anything else, I just need you to understand that there is a place this side. It's heaven, it's eternity. And it's not just about what God is wanting to do in us here as we live this vapor, as the Bible calls us, but it's what's on the other side. And I just wonder if you've taken a moment to consider where you're at with Jesus.